Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today is the last Sunday of the church year, and so it is fitting that we turn our thoughts towards the last day, the day of the Lord, the day when our Lord returns to raise all of the dead and to judge the world and to usher in his kingdom. St. Paul begins our epistle lesson this morning to the Thessalonians, saying, Brethren, concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. This comparison of the day of the Lord to a thief in the night wonderfully captures how the day will arrive. It was first used by our Lord himself, who said, If the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The day, and our Lord with it, will come all of a sudden, like a thief in the night so that for many it will catch them unawares and unprepared. Our Lord has also compared this day to the days of Noah, saying, In the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. Here he describes how the day will come upon the world swiftly when they don't expect it. Noah had preached and had warned the world of the flood that was to come, but no one paid him any mind. So they carried on as they always did, marrying, feasting, working, etc., until the day the flood came and swept them away. So too, before our Lord returns, it will be as all business as usual until that time. Those who are of the world, who are not ready, will be taken away by the suddenness of it. They will no longer have time to escape, as they will have put off their repentance until the last moment. Just as the flood took away those who were unprepared and did not enter the ark, so too will the coming judgment take away those who have not entered the ark of the church when our Lord returns. St. Paul writes, For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. All will seem as it has been. The world will continue on in security until suddenly he appears in power and glory. Today, just as at the time of Paul, there are many scoffers that mock faithful Christians who are waiting for the Lord, saying that if he has not returned yet, he never will. Some who even claim to be Christians will try to convince the faithful that the Lord is not returning and that all those passages that are about his return and about the last day are simply metaphors, parables, 
and don't refer to him returning in the flesh, but something else entirely. For all these and all the rest in darkness who are unprepared in the world this day will come with sudden destruction, and they will not escape. But lest we hear this and be terrified in our consciences, Paul continues, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. Yes, while this day will come suddenly, it will not overtake us as it does those who are unprepared. Instead, it will come to us with sudden joy as we receive our full salvation, which our Lord has won for us. And why? Because, Paul writes, you are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here, Paul writes of night and day, darkness and light, setting the two side by side that we might be comforted with the hope of salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Those who will be overtaken by the day are those in darkness. For them, the day will come unexpectedly. For they are those who dwell in darkness and in the shadow of death, as all people do who are without the light of Christ. Those who dwell in this darkness and night are described as sleeping and drunk. Sleeping because their spiritual senses are like those of a sleeping person. They don't know that the day is quickly approaching. They don't know the dangers that lurk in the darkness. They don't know where they come from. They don't know the fruits of their sin. Drunk, because like alcohol further dulls the senses, so too those in darkness are further dulled with vice and sin. Just as one who habitually drinks needs more and more alcohol to get drunk, so too the one who continues in sin and vice becomes more and more calloused and does not realize the depth of their sin, nor how pervasive it is as they have become desensitized to it. But Paul reminds us that that is no longer our state anymore. For we are not in darkness, but you are all sons of light and sons of the day. And notice the change in language. The first are said to be in darkness, but those who belong to Christ are not said to be in light, but sons of light, sons of the day, not just in the light or in the day. There's a great difference. For all who have been enlightened by the light of Christ are not merely in his light, but partake in his light, participate in his light, share in his light. Those who believe in Jesus Christ are not only in the day, but belong to the day. Not only see the light, but are of the light. There is a much stronger connection because we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into God's marvelous light. We have been changed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit so that we may not only see the light of Christ, but participate in it, 
and have it shining within ourselves, so that we may not be unprepared for this day, but already living in it in a certain way. For through the forgiveness of sins, which we have by faith, we already live in some way in the new creation. For God has caused us to be born again, making us new creations. Paul saying, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And since we are no longer in darkness, but are of the light and of the day, Paul encourages us to watch and be sober. Two things that are the opposite of sleep and drunkenness. We are to watch for the coming day, to always be prepared for it by repentant faith, that we always trust in Christ our Lord for our salvation, for he alone gives us the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Watchfulness is living, knowing that there is never a guarantee of tomorrow, for Christ may return or call us to himself before it comes for us. Because of this, we're not to live putting off the Christian life until later, but rather living with a confident trust in his grace and his mercy, and so always seeking to follow him in word and deed, and to flee to him when we fall into sin. We're also called to be sober. If the drunkenness of those in darkness speaks to them being steeped in sin, then sobriety calls us to all virtue and holiness of living. This sanctification God grants us through the Holy Spirit, and he calls us to be sober, to seek to avoid sin and vice, for the same hardening of the conscience can happen to us too if we seek to remain in our sins or indulge them rather than fleeing to Christ for mercy and fleeing to his promises of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Spiritual sobriety is living in light of how much God has granted to us freely by his grace and mercy and seeking to do his will out of love for him and thanks for all his benefits. Paul continues, Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Here, too, we have the armor of a watchman, the armor of one whose profession demands that they be watchful and sober. First, the breastplate of faith and love, faith towards God, Faith which embraces the promises of God in Christ Jesus. Faith which believes that we are justified and accounted righteous for Jesus' sake and receives the same. Faith by which we are justified through God's grace towards us. Yes, the Christian is characterized first by faith, by trust in God and his life-giving promises. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For it is by faith that God declares us righteous in his sight. And this faith itself is a gift of God. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The very faith which receives the salvation and promises of God, he himself gives to us as a gift. And where true faith is found, Love is not far behind it. That is why Paul calls it the breastplate of faith and love. For while we are saved by grace through faith alone, 
Faith is never alone. Faith is first, and love follows. As our post-communion collect says, we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us in the same, in faith towards you, and in fervent love towards one another. Faith towards God, love towards our neighbor and one another. For God desires that our love towards him be expressed in love to one another. As St. John writes in his epistle, he who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause of stumbling in him. And this love, which is the fruit of faith, is manifested in good works, good works that are not done in order to earn anything, or that so that we might earn our righteousness, earn our holiness, but good works done out of love for our neighbor and for one another, works done for others' sake and for others' good. In this, our Father in heaven is glorified, as we who are sons of light and sons of the day let our light shine before others. For this light and this love is not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God our Savior. In addition to the breastplate of faith and love, Paul encourages us to put on as a helmet the hope of salvation. This hope is likewise a gift of God, produced in us and is found wherever faith and love are found. As Paul writes to the Corinthians, now abide faith, hope, and love. And this hope is not just a generic hope, it's not just a general upbeat optimism, but it is specifically the hope of salvation, the hope that we have that comes from faith in God. This sure and certain hope we have because he has forgiven us all our sins and has caused us to be born again and has begun this good work of salvation in us, which he will bring to completion in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what is the completion of and fullness of our salvation? Consider that while now we are forgiven and justified in God's sight, we still have the old sinful flesh still clinging to us, still weighing us down. As long as we live, we must fight against this sinful flesh and put it to death through daily repentance and faith. And despite this, we still fall into sin. We still face the temptations of the world, the devil, and even of our own flesh. We face trials which come from within and without. We face lack, hunger, loss, disease, and suffering. The full salvation that we look forward to, and of which we have a sure and certain hope, is the salvation from all of these things and more. On that day, if we are still alive, we will be changed. And if we have died, we will be raised. And no more will we sin, nor deal with the effects of sin, for it will be fully done away with. Death will be no more. Neither hunger, pain, suffering, tears, sadness, as all of these will be removed from us, and in their place we will receive everlasting gladness and peace holiness, righteousness, innocence, and the blessedness. Then in our flesh we will dwell with our God forever in the new creation, renewed and restored to how it was always meant to be. Yes, this is the salvation for which 
we wait. Now we participate in it, and we know it in part, but on that day we shall know it in full. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we should live together in him. Therefore, comfort one another and edify one another, just as you are already doing. What a joy and comfort it is to know that all of this has been prepared for us by God, who does not desire the death of the sinner, but rather that he should turn from his wicked ways and live. What a comfort to know that God's great love for us, that he would give in his love his own Son, Jesus Christ, into death, so that we might live and obtain salvation from the wrath which we brought upon ourselves by our sin. And this is why we seek to share the good news with others, to share this light with them. For on the last day, those who remain in darkness will not find salvation, but will instead find wrath, which they will receive justly as the penalty for their sins. But God desires their salvation too, he desires that they also wake up from slumber, that they may sober up from their drunkenness of sin, that Christ may shine on them. For Jesus Christ has died for them too. He has taken their sins upon himself too. That is why we invite others to church, not so that we might fill up the pews as good as it looks, not so that we might sing ever louder and louder, but so that these people too might receive the forgiveness of Christ, that they might hear the good news and believe, that God might awaken them from their slumber by the work of his Holy Spirit through the word and sacraments, that they too might come to the salvation that we look forward to, and know that since our Lord has died for us and been raised again, whether we are awake or asleep, we live together with him. Such is the great comfort we have in our Savior. He is with us now, both uh, when we are living and when we sleep the sleep of death. Now he is united to us by faith. He is in our midst through the preaching of the word, and he is present with his body and blood in the blessed sacrament of the altar, where he gives to us a foretaste of the everlasting marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom. He is with us, as he said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when we die, he does not leave us, but he, as he has first gone through the valley of the shadow of death, he will be with us and we will be with him. Those who die in faith, waiting for the salvation of the Lord, are received by him into his presence to enjoy peace and comfort while waiting for the resurrection of the body. So it is now that even the dead in Christ are not truly dead, but they live in him. For God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. On the last day when Jesus returns to gather together all his people from all times and places, then we shall all be united as one. We shall receive the full salvation which our Lord has won for us by his death and resurrection. Then all that is evil and imperfect will pass away as our Lord returns in triumph over his enemies of sin, death, and the devil. 
Then we will all shout for joy and be glad as we hail him who comes upon the clouds, accompanied with thousands upon thousands of saints and angels. Yes, for those who believe, this day is not a day of terror, but a day of comfort and joy, a day of gladness, a day we look forward to with hope. Oh, how great is your goodness, O God, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. For eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. May God grant that we remain steadfast in this faith until the salvation which he has begun in us and has appointed us to comes in full through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. 